podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, true fans. What's up, y'all? We appreciate your support so much. This is Ask the Minimalists 27. Already? And we have, yes, yeah, we've done this 27, well, 26 other times. <laughs> In fact, I think more than that. We did a an A and B at one point. I think we we lost like number ten. And What's we did an A and B? An A and then a B. Yeah, those are two letters. What are the acronym? What's the acronym? AMA is Ask Me Anything. No, we did a ten oh, an A, a and, and a B. Ten B. Oh, I see. Like a part one, part Hello, two. Hello, patrons. <laughs> Our first question is from Brandy. How do you defeat burnout? Hashtag millennial. Oh, dude. <laughs> Please note. Quote, the burnout generation by Ann Peterson. I feel like these stories are very accurate. Here's the problem with burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect to find a purpose and to focus on that one purpose, and then that's going to bring us joy. But the problem is, is that whenever you focus on one area of life and you get to, God, you know, great, you get to a point where you perfect this area of life, you're going to get burnt out. I mean, this is the human psyche. Like we we want to master things as we grow older, whether it's a, a hobby or whether it's our job. But once we master something, we have to be able to move on to something else. If yeah, we, that's what mastery is. Yes. Is, is being uh, willing to, to move on to other things. I think the other, the flip side of that is, so there's a sort of monotony and, and burnout of doing the same thing over and over and over. And I also think, especially in today's world with the, the, um, metastasism of, of technology, we are burnt out because we're so quote busy. Mm. And really what I, when I say busy, we're not actually busy. We're just filling our lives with, with um, ephemera, yeah. uh, meaning uh, the glowing screens that contribute to everything from, uh, well, listening to podcasts perpetually, watching YouTube, reading, breaking news stories. But if news is always breaking, then it's broken. Mm-hmm. A- and and really, uh, we're allow we're allowing these intrusions into our lives at an unprecedented rate. And I think that is what is contributing most to burnout because it radically ramps up our anxiety. Well, what's the best way to turn down the volume is to not turn it up in the first place, right? right? And so so what are things that we've turned up over the last five years, 10 years? Well, social media for sure. Yep. Uh, uh, the, the amount of time we spend on our glowing screens, you and I just talked about a study that I read this morning morning about well the reason we're exercising less and less is not because we have less time in fact that's what that's what we think we're, we we have less time now than ever before i wish i had more time in the day no we're just spending more time in front of glowing screens doing things that are not serving a purpose or adding value to our lives we have more distractions available to us now than we have ever before so and if, guess what it's going to get worse it, it is absolutely going to get worse for society, mm-hmm. but it can get better for you mm-hmm. individually. And so the best way is for you, the, the only way for you to avoid burnout is to avoid those distractions. And that requires a particular kind of discipline, but instead of just relying on discipline and willpower, it might mean getting the things out of uh getting the distractions out of your life in a systematic way. Uh, one thing that I think about, uh, the Cal Newport, he said he, there's one thing he wished he would have put in his book, Digital Minimalism. Hmm. 
it's called the four-year rule. Um, and he's been talking a lot about it and, and really expanding on it. But uh, when you walk into someone's house, you have a four-year, right? I don't have one, but a lot of houses have a, a four-year. If you have a really big house, you have a foyer, right? <laughs> With and, the double staircase. <laughs> right. The curving double staircase. It goes to the same place. Yeah. Um, but you have this four-year, right, that you, that you walk into, and there's like maybe a coat rack and a little change drawer for your keys and stuff. Well, that's where you keep your phone as well. Mm. Now, I, I did a, a version of this back in 2011 where I had, as soon as I got home, I had a dock for my phone. I just put it there on the dock. And then uh, I didn't I still didn't have a four-year, right? But like it's the same concept. It doesn't have to be in your four-year. But if you do have a four-year, then anytime you're like, okay, I need to go check social media. You go into the four-year and you, and you start to realize like, how often am I walking into the four-year to distract myself? Mm-hmm. And one of two things will happen. It'll illuminate how frequently you're distracting <laughs> yourself or ideally you'll stop distracting yourself as much right. by, by, by putting that, that barrier, that, that buffer. You're adding a little friction. Why? So you can gain traction because we've lost all that traction in our lives. The distraction has made it a slippery surface. And when it's a slippery surface, you're going to slide all over the place. And that's why you're experiencing the burnout. Yeah. Brandy, I'll say it too with burnout. Find things in your life that are that you can look at as a horizon rather than like these end goals. If all you have are these end goals in your life, you're going to forsake some of the most important things in life. So for me, when I think about uh, my life in the corporate world, I forsook my health, my relationships, my creativity, my uh, ability to give. Um, I, I affected all, or I, I ignored all these things effectively because I was chasing money. I was chasing ephemeral pleasures. And I thought to myself, oh, well, money's going to make me happy. So I'm going to forsake everything and I'm going to make these sacrifices so I can get as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I got burnt out on that. And then it was sex. You know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to have as much sex as possible and I'm going to forsake all these other things because sex is going to fill that void. And then I got burnt out. Oh, you know what? Drugs. Drugs are really going to make me happy. So I'm just going to go out of my way and I'm just going to skip the work. I'm just going to take pills to make myself feel good. And guess what? I got burnt out. These are all shortcuts uh, in a way, aren't they? They, they, Yeah. We think. But of course, what? There are no shortcuts. There are only direct paths. Yeah, absolutely. So, So, Brandy, you have got to find things in your life that you can look at as a horizon. Your job, you're going to get burnt out on your job. If all I did was talk about minimalism and, and, and record podcasts and go on tour and write books and write essays, if that's all I did in my life, you better believe I'd be burnt out on it. But instead, I have relationships I focus on. I have my health that I focus on. And these things are horizons. These are things that I work towards. I want to have the best relationship ever. I want to have the best health ever. But I also understand I'm never going to achieve perfect health. I'm never going to achieve the perfect relationship. So focusing on these horizons, this is what gets me through the day. If I gave, if I was like, oh, sorry, Mariah, I don't have time for you today. I got to record another podcast. Oh, you know what? I go to the gym, but I'm going to write that essay. Oh, I'm going to uh, forsake, um, you know, this uh, uh, playing guitar or playing saxophone or yeah, I was going to go surfing today, but instead, um, you know what? I'm going to go give a talk about minimalism. I would eventually burn myself out and then I'd have nothing else to look towards. You know, it, it's fascinating. You use that word sacrifice. You were, you were in, in the word forsake as well. I, I like this because 
I like the formulation here because there's nothing inherently wrong with, with sacrifice. We just need to sacrifice the right things. For the longest time, you and I were sacrificing the most important things in life yeah. for less important things. And now you flip that around, we've reprioritized, so to speak. And sometimes we have to sacrifice the less important things, the things that would bring us instant gratification or pleasure in the moment or, mm -hmm. or some other achievement or success in the moment. We might have to s sacrifice that because yeah. living a more meaningful life is is important. Dude, is you, more important. You hit the nail on the head, I think, with a lot of people with the screen time. If you're having discontent in your life or you're having burnout, sacrifice screen time. Yes. And start focusing on other things. I'm not saying everyone is in that position where their lives are filled with screens, but most people are. I struggle with it. As one of the minimalists, I struggle with having to sacrifice screen time. So, uh, yeah, if you're feeling discontent, the first thing you could probably cut out is the screen time that you have. Yeah, or, or radically reduce it. Yeah, absolutely. Juan has a question for us. Josh, yes? how could you tell when it was the right moment to leave your corporate gig? Did you have an immediate action plan after you quit? So, two questions there. I don't think you're... I think you'll, you'll know... You can tell it's the right time in retrospect. Remember my, one of my mentors, sure. Jim Har, he had an accidental phrase, one of my favorites. Uh, there's, a, there's an old saying that hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> but he would always say. But Jim, I, he didn't mean to say it either. Like He just said it one day. He said, hindsight is 50-50. Yeah. And I think that is accurate here. You don't actually know until you've done it. Mm -hmm. And I have this great essay here, very short one from Derek Sivers that I thought, well, I was going to read it for uh, something different today, but we never got around to it. But I thought it was perfect for this question. So let me read this. He's been doing something daily on his on his blog, on his website, Sivers.org. This is called, When in Doubt, Try the Difference. If you're in doubt about something that's not in your life, try it. Things are so different in practice versus in theory. The only way to know is to experience it yourself. Here are some tried examples. Pursuing a new interest. Moving somewhere very different. Quitting your job to go freelance. Err on the side of yes. Mm. Try it. If it was a mistake, at least you'll know firsthand instead of always wondering about it. And if you're in doubt about something that's in your life already... Get rid of it. Not just things. This goes for identities, habits, goals, relationships, technology, and anything else. Default to not having it. Then see how you do without it. Here are some get rid of it examples. Relationships that bring you down. Goals you're not pursuing. It's a funny thing. We often have goals that we don't pursue. <laughs> Talk about yeah. uh, just a recipe for discontent and overwhelm and anger and burnout. Yeah. It's like this this hypothetical goal, like the, the someday sort of, oh, I'll get to that someday. That weighs on you. You can yeah. get rid of that goal just by not having it as a goal anymore. Yeah. He also mentions the relationships that bring you down. You can create distance. You don't have to respond to every text message. You don't have to call someone. Go out of your way to call someone else who is empowering, who who increases the love in your life, doesn't drain the vitality from your life. Yeah. And then we have uh, another example here, a career that has plateaued, and that might be where Juan is right now. Maybe your <laughs> career has plateaued. Err on the side of no. Get rid of it. Start with a clean slate. If it was a mistake, you'll get it back. 
with a renewed enthusiasm. I think mm. that's also true. Where like, if me leaving the corporate world was absolutely a mistake, and I, I realized it a year or two years later, and oh, I really miss telecom, and I miss managing retail stores, I'd go back to it, and I'd have a new appreciation for it. Yeah. It may not be the same company, but you can always go back to working for someone else. There are, you know, unemployment is is at a at historic lows right now, and corporations are always going to be hiring more people. It's happening right now. More and more corporations are hiring people. You'll be able to go back if you want to. Uh, he has an parenthesis here. The common thread is to make the change to know firsthand. Mm. So making the change in your life so you know firsthand so you're not always wondering about it. He has some uh, getting rid of everything examples. Erase, and these are pretty radical, but I love, I love Derek because he, he does these radical things. He does these, these stoical experiments in his life. And he is a dad and an adult and, and um, he, he's a relatively abnormal, normal dude. He does some abnormal things, but he's a, a regular guy, right? Uh, erase your phone and computer. Reinstall the operating system from scratch. Don't restore from the backup. Not even your contacts. Only add back people who contact you. Don't install any apps unless you can't do without them. So start with a clean slate. I, yeah. I love it. <clears throat> Put everything you own into storage. Move somewhere small and simple, bringing only what you'd take on a two-week trip. Only when you absolutely need something, go get it out of storage. This is a packing party, what he's, what he's talking about here. Yeah. He's talking about Ryan's packing party. After a year, sell all that stuff that's in storage. And then finally, he says, move across the world. Start from scratch with a new career, new friends, and a new approach to life. Every time you start to do something out of habit, interrupt the pattern and try the opposite way instead. He said, these are my favorites. I actually do all of these things regularly. I love simplifying. These are simple things. They're also difficult things to do because yeah. you're bucking the status quo. But you're probably not going to know until you actually do it, One. Well, here's the thing. One caveat I don't want to throw in here, One, I did have a plan when I left, when I got laid off. I got laid off a little sooner than when I was planning on quitting. But it was actually a blessing in disguise because mm -hmm. I knew I needed a nudge and that was the nudge I needed was right. to be laid off. But I had simplified my life leading up to that point. I agree with you. So that plan is so important. Yeah. So the plan's important one. We're not, if you have $0 in savings and you've got $10,000 a month worth of bills and your job is supporting you. <laughs> yeah. Juan, don't leave your job right now. That's silly. You are. You might be in a pressure cooker situation where you feel like you need to leave. Great. Use that as leverage to form a plan and stick to that plan right. so eventually you can leave. I, it was Seth Godin, and I can, for the life of me, I cannot find this essay. I've searched for it so many times. But he talks about how it's okay to take a chance as long as you get rid of as much risk as possible. So are you going to jump out of an airplane? No. Yeah, you're not just going to like open up a door and jump out of the airplane. Well, what if you got a parachute on? Uh, maybe. Mm -hmm. What if I got a backup parachute? Yeah, maybe more likely. What if I'm actually tandem with someone who's experienced with a parachute and a backup parachute? Mm. Okay, all right, all right. Like, I mean, or what if the airplane has already landed? <laughs> right. Yeah. That that's the ultimate safety plan, there, right? Right. Exactly. So so it's like it's okay to take a chance. It's okay to, to jump out of that plane, so to speak, because that's probably what it feels like, but you have got to get rid of as much risk as possible. And if you are in a 
pressure cooker situation right now and if you just got up and left your job and it's going to bankrupt you, you're not going to be able to provide for yourself food, uh, roof over your head. God forbid you have a family that's involved too that that is going to suffer because of you quitting. Then no, Juan, do not quit right now. But that pressure cooker situation can be used as leverage to form a plan. But the key is, is you have to stick to that plan. And it can be a radical plan too. We're talking about Derek Sivers, all these radical things. Yeah. Your radical plan could be, I'm going to save 70% of my income. Dude, That's I, a radical plan. People was, aren't doing that. I was living in a 2,000 square foot house, you know, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, two living rooms. You and your cat. That's right. We were living the American dream. Me and, me and, uh, oh my God, I forget his name. O'Malley. Oh, <laughs> 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 I was sad for a second. I'm like, how could I forget my cat's name? I love that cat. Anyway, um, I was eating PB&J, man, and ramen noodles, which is a horrible diet. I don't recommend that. No. But, I mean, literally, I got to a point where I was trying to save as much money and pay off as much debt that I was, you know, in this ostensibly great place eating PB&J. I was sacrificing eating out and, uh, you know, having expensive, uh, an expensive uh, grocery list so I could live up to that plan. So, again, don't go on the PB&J and ramen noodle diet, but there is a, you know, that's a metaphor for what you can do differently one to get yourself out of the situation. Irene has a question, Ryan. Where I live, organic and, okay, yeah, where I live, organic and higher quality produce such as lettuce often come in clamshell plastic containers. How do I decide between organic quality and more environmentally friendly packaging? Here's the thing. If this is the, the, the biggest thing you're worrying about with respect to the environment, you're in a really good place right now. I yeah. probably worry less about it. I give myself permission to worry less. and Because if you have the choice between the two, then you pick the more environmentally friendly choice. So what you're saying is, is that there is a pesticide-ridden head of lettuce mm-hmm. without plastic or this nice organic lettuce, but it comes in a clamshell. Go with the pesticide. No. Oh, I thought you said. Of course not. I thought you said no. go without the plastic. No, no, oh. no. I'm saying if you have if you have the same choice, one with plastic, one without. But really, what I'm saying. Oh, if you have the same choice, yeah, of course you go with yeah. the more environment environment. Right, but if you don't, then, then you make the best decision for yourself. Yeah. You, and here here's the thing. My point is, it doesn't matter. And here's mm-hmm. why it doesn't matter. If that is your, we're always thinking about optimizing 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 we're worried about that oh should i i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna buy one piece of plastic a week okay like i'd rather buy zero for sure Mm -hmm. but that is far less problematic than the person uh ryan you're more environmentally friendly right now than you were a decade ago sure i remember there was a time where you were driving your truck 200 miles a day sure and and now we have a much better problem. Should I buy the one tiny piece of plastic? You walk to work today. Yeah. And, and so what are the things that are going to make the biggest impact mm. on the environment for you? And let's not let's not get so caught up in optimizing every single corner that we lose sight of the bigger picture. Right. And Irene, there's a third choice here. Grow your own lettuce. Or there's a fourth choice. Go to the farmer's market and get the lettuce there. I mean... Mariah and I, we go to the farmer's market. There's zero plastic that we take away from the farmer's market. There you go. Um, I go to the plastic market. <laughs> minimalist. <laughs> but no, I mean, Irene, like you're, you're, you are positing this as you have only two choices. You right. do not have only two choices. 
Yeah. What well, is the third I, I, choice? What is the fourth choice? Yeah, it's definitely not binary. And by oh, here's the other choice. Like when you think about, so I don't know what if you're buying lettuce. Like that's there's not a whole lot of nutrition in lettuce, by the way. So so we can even think about that. Like there's virtually no macronutrients, no mm-hmm. no calories in it, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on when you're saying lettuce, like if it's butter lettuce, like there are very little micronutrients in that as well. And then if you're talking about well kale or spinach. Those things are oxalate laden, and so if you have any kind of gut issues whatsoever, they're going to destroy your any roughage destroys your mucosal layer, mm. and so it, you we've been sold this meme that greens are healthy for us, but spinach, chard, and kale are actually especially uncooked. They are not healthy for us. They're the opposite of healthy, and so maybe the the other alternative is. What actually is healthy for me? And let me find a plastic-free version of that. So Super Greens is just a farce. It's a it's great marketing. Yeah. But it is... Here's the thing. We don't have the stomach. We, we don't have... I mean, for most people, eating greens is, is totally fine. Sure. And you're going to get some nutrients out of it. Right. But they're not as bioavailable in... Uh, in, in Because... It's insoluble, fi- insoluble fiber. All roughage is insoluble fiber. There's mm. no soluble fiber in it. Mm. And so you can eat, you can chew. By the way, they pigs eat what? Everything. Eat everything, right? Yeah. You, and you go to a pig trough, you can put everything in there except something. Hmm. Kale. You can't put kale in there. They will not eat kale because they know it's poison. Hmm. It is filled with oxalates. Hmm. And uh, you can cook kale and cook a lot of the oxalates out of it. And maybe if you like the texture or the taste of it, great. But most of us don't like kale on its own, like just raw kale. Um, we like to add raw, bro- raw broccoli is like the worst thing, right? And it's, <laughs> it's but, like I, I hate it so much. And it's not only the worst thing; it's it's actually it's it's fairly nutritionally dense, mm. but cooked, it's much better for your mucosal layer, mm. it, it, the epithelial layer of of your gut. It gets stripped away by some of these vegetables, and and so there are plenty of vegetables that are good for you that you that you can eat that do have bioavailable. Uh, nutrients and also they they um, they are probiotic and prebiotic, so they help um, the, well, they they help the butyrate producing bacteria in your gut grow, which fights mm. off some of the bad bacteria. So there's a, there are good reasons to consume a lot of different vegetables, but not the ones that are oxalate laden like spinach and chard and, and many greens. So mm. uh, th- that was a, a bit of a, a digression, but hopefully that helped you out. Annie has a question. As a master's degree student on the verge of graduation, how can I avoid lifestyle inflation when transitioning into working life? I have valued minimalism as a tool helping me to figure out what is important to me, but I'm afraid that I will lose my focus when my income rises. I'm 23 and money for the lack I'm I'm 20 I'm 23 and money or the lack of it has been a source of stress for my fiance and I throughout my university years. Man, here's here's <clears throat> my quick thoughts on this is if you are 23 and you're asking this question now, great. Mm-hmm. You're you're in a great place because when I was 23, I was asking how do I get the how do I I was actually I just finished building. I was 22 when I built my first house. And even then I was like, well, what's the next one going to be? And so I wasn't just living beyond my means. I was living up to the means of what the next promotion was. I was all, yeah. always looking at like, how can I spend more money? Yeah, I was always spending a paycheck ahead. Yeah, and so so uh, 
forty percent of Americans can't cover a four hundred dollar emergency. Yeah. Seventy eight percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Fifty percent of Americans are um, making thirty thousand dollars or less a year. Now those three things don't go together. Here's why I say that. When I left the corporate world, I took um, roughly a ninety percent pay cut. Almost 90%. It was 80-something percent pay cut. Yeah. I made $23,000 in 2011. It was my most financially secure year as an adult, making $23,000 a year. Now, why is that? Well, because I did, I had to, I, several years prior, I adjusted my lifestyle down. You're at a space right now where you have a adjusted down lifestyle, Annie. And the key for you is to set up some strict barriers of how you're going to pay your future self is what I call it. I'm going to encourage you to go over to theminimalists.com slash freedom, and you can see the the sort of uh, financial freedom plan that Ryan and I put together. And also, if you want to look at my retirement accounts, uh, go to theminimalists.com slash retirement, and you'll find exactly how I pay my future self. I, I look at it as in just, just, it's not even my money, it's my future self's money. So before I pay my current bills, I'm, I'm automatically investing in my future self. And then at, at the end, if I have extra money left over, then I put more money toward my, my future self. Yeah. And I think if you look at it that way, then it's not your money right now then you're not even going to be able to spend it. Well, Josh, what you're talking about are these rules that you set up for yourself. Right. Annie has rules right now that she's following. So, Annie, you've got to set up rules for yourself when you graduate uh, and have your master's degree. Maybe you're you're able to expand those rules a little bit because you're going to have a little bit more money. But just figure out what rules work for you and your fiance. Just because you have more money, it doesn't mean you throw the rules out the window. So, right. In fact, it, it's One of the, even more of a reason to stick to those rules because you want to be responsible with that resource. I a good hope, steward. I hope you're graduating debt-free, Annie. You, I mean, according to statistics, you're probably not. But I hope you are. If you are graduating with some debt, then make a rule right now that that's the only debt you're ever going to have again in your life or that's the only debt you're going to carry. There is an exception that Dave Ramsey talks about with a mortgage. And yeah, sure, there are some debts that are better than other debts, uh, you know, a, a seven-year fixed mortgage, um, putting you know fifty percent down on a house is much better than going to the corner store and getting a payday loan. So, I mean, there might be some debts that you're going to leverage. However, if you can live debt-free a hundred percent, like that's really the best way to live. So, that, and that's just one example. I'm not even saying that that has to be your rule, Annie. But consider what rules you want to live by moving forward and you've got to you've got to instill those in your life and and you know what have that discussion with your fiance it's not just you it's what is good for you and your 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 future spouse we're running out of time here so i'm gonna try to get through these rapid fire here gina says how do i get over the fear of someone actually reading my writing gina you're uncomfortable you're not scared you're uncomfortable uh, here's the th here's the weird thing. You actually just got over the fear. So I'm reading your writing right now. Ooh. We're all writers now. What, what? And I just read your writing. You write text messages. Are you afraid of someone reading your text messages? Mm. Uh, are you afraid of someone reading an email that you send? No. So what is the difference? Well, the difference is the story that you're telling yourself. Is it's okay for me to write a text message, but it's not okay for me to write a short story or an essay or a blog post. And so all you need to do is take the narrative that you're currently telling yourself about yeah, people are going to read my text messages. Yeah, people are going to read my short stories. Yep. And 
they might judge you for either one of those. You send a terrible text message, you're probably going to get judged. You, you write a terrible short story, you're probably going to get judged. That's okay. You'll learn the lesson. You'll pull it forward. You'll write really crappily for a very long time until you stop writing crappily. That's the only way to get better, though. Yeah, absolutely. The only way to get through your discomfort, Gina, is to make yourself uncomfortable. And the more you make yourself uncomfortable, well, the more comfortable you're going to feel with discomfort. I'm going to save Megan's question about holiday gift giving for probably next month because uh, it'll be it'll be more opportune time to talk about it then. Angie or Aggie says, I, I just put this in here because this question literally gets asked every single time we do ask the minimalist anything. Aggie says, how do you organize your curated photos? Uh, go back to our previous 26 episodes of Ask the Minimalist Anything. We talk about that <laughs> probably on, on half of them. And Look, you got to have a system. Yeah, and so we talk about our system. Yeah. Uh, one more question here from Connor. He says, what is your bedtime routine? Ryan, what is your bedtime routine? I usually start getting ready for bed around 9.30. Okay. Uh, I will brush my teeth, read a book a little bit, um, and then go to sleep. There, I, I will tell you, there's sometimes, because I think about... Uh, I think about the no screens in the bedroom, which I totally agree with. But there's a problem is that my phone is my alarm clock. So like that's next to my bed. And what I do sometimes, if I'm having trouble sleeping, I got this tip from Jeff Saris. Actually, Jeff Saris gave it to you and then I took it from you. Is if I'm having a, a hard time, if my mind is really going, there are like there's Tetris you can play mm -hmm. that will actually start to calm your mind down. For sure. So those nights when I'm having a hard time sleeping before I reach for... Uh, melatonin or some kind of sleeping aid, mm -hmm. I will like play 10 minutes worth of like t a Tetris game to like mm -hmm. try and calm myself. And then sometimes like, yeah, I got to go like take some melatonin. And I usually like, I'm getting ready for bed by 9.30. I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. I usually, I try to get in bed by 9.30, but at the latest, like I'll get in bed by 10 o'clock. If I'm not asleep by 11 after that routine, after reading and then maybe play, like then I'll reach for melatonin by like 11 or 11.30. Mm. So, I mean, it's it, the routine is I try to keep it the same, but there are nights where it, it, it does vary a little bit just based upon how my day is going, how my life is going at the time. I like to go to bed early. I put uh, Ella to bed usually around 7.30, and it's around 7, 7.30, and shortly after she's in bed, then I will start my nighttime routine, uh, eliminating blue light emitting oh, lights. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Which is, which is pretty important because... That helps your natural melatonin production. Um, as soon as the sun goes down, Mariah and I put on those blue blocker glasses. Yeah, that, that's a great step toward it. Uh, I, I simply cut out screens once the sun goes down, mm -hmm. and then uh, as much as I can, obviously. Uh, I do take some supplements at night. I take um, L-tryptophan. Uh, Bex takes L-tryptophan and GABA and um, melatonin. She tends to have trouble uh, going to sleep. I have trouble staying asleep. I have no problem going to sleep. Yeah. I can go to sleep right now. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wake you up when the light turns green. <laughs> so, so, um, and then Bex and I like to read together. And so we tend to, I'll read a chapter from a book that we are reading. I'll read it out loud in bed. Uh, before we do that, um, we will, we have a ritual. We floss together every night. I, and she hates flossing. So that's why we do it together. <laughs> I always tell her tits are going to fall off if she doesn't floss. <laughs> <laughs> I think she believes me because she keeps <laughs> flossing. Um, but uh, yeah, she, so we floss together. We'll brush our teeth. She does her supplements. And then we get in bed. We, we read together. And then we might make out a little bit and fall asleep. That's my routine. Nice. Yeah. 
All right, y'all. Thank you, patrons. We're you really grateful awesome. for you. Thank you, true fans. We will see you next time. Love people and use things. Take care. The Minimalists. <laughs>